There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were live from the Lansdowne Pub in Cheltenham with Green King and Paddy Power, head of day one of the festival tomorrow. We're here all week, as they say. Yeah, a bit of a curtain raiser today. It was, yeah, Yeah. it was fun. We, We... didn't normally do this for the first, but I very much enjoyed it. We had some good guests, yeah. didn't we? So, Andy, yeah. what, what are your picks for the podcast? Well, I had a little bit of our chat, I think, yeah. on the way down and all that stuff. Uh, Paddy Power, of course, we had a caught up with him. We haven't spoken to him for a while. Ruby Walsh came in and uh, talked about being a jockey. Fascinating, and wasn't it? Very interesting stuff there. And then we had a couple of fun bits. We had a pint pulling competition. We did, you yeah, yeah. A uh, bit of Guinness involved there. And uh, Escalado made a welcome return. It so. did. We had uh, Rupert Bell was your commentator for Escalado. So uh, here's a bit of a flavour of what we got up to this afternoon from the Lansdowne pub in Cheltenham. <laughs> This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs with you through until four here on TalkSport Weather this afternoon. We're coming to you live from the Lansdowne Pub in Cheltenham to kickstart our coverage of this week's festival with our good friends at Green King and Paddy Power. Coming up between now and four, we'll be joined by Cheltenham's winning most jockey, Ruby Walsh, alongside Paddy Power himself to hopefully predict a few winners ahead of this week's Olympics of jump racing. The great Mick Fitzgerald will also pop along, as will another jockey hoping for big things this week, Lizzie Kelly. We won't be neglecting the football, the rugby, as we're joined by the Cheltenham manager, Michael Duff. Uh, Burnley legend, the analyst, Matt Scott, will join us. And uh, former England wing, James Simpson, Daniel, will pop in. Great. There's all this plus the irrepressible MC Yeehaw, Matt Chapman. Talks about a little bit of posh Rupert Bell, commentates on Escalado. Paul and I go head-to-head in a pint-pulling challenge. I'm looking forward to that. And a tweeted-up Sockley Park makes a triumphant return to Don't Ask Me. Yeah, Don't Ask Me. We're also going to be... Uh, we've got... We've got mm. uh, Polly Power joining us as well, going to be oh, yeah. helping out as a tipster this week. Uh, so anyway, that's all to come. It's uh, Hawksby and Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Six minutes past one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And this is quite a change for us. We normally come, come down Monday afternoon after the show. Yeah. This was, this was quite pleasant, wasn't it, this morning, meeting at Paddington. And uh, as we went through the ticket barrier, the chap said to us, all right, geese. <laughs> John said, it's just like the Orient Express. <laughs> It's marvellous, isn't it? I did notice that. Yeah, yeah, he was just being friendly, though. I suppose he was. There was a chap in uh, top hat and tails. I, th- I think he got confused with Ascot. I don't know what 
happened. Yeah, that's true. We, we did wonder. He might be slightly overdressed for Cheltenham. Uh, also, I'm a little bit worried to hear that um, mm. the game tomorrow between Leipzig and Spurs will be played in front of spectators, which, <laughs> which does seem to suggest this is Jose, <coughs> it's Jose's coded way of saying Ndombele's going to start. Oh, no. It's, it's a disaster, isn't it? We'll talk, we'll talk about that later with Matt Scott. And uh, the moment, I've, I, you can hear I've got a little bit of a cold, which I yeah. picked up on the last day of the holiday. And... Uh, Often when I get a cold, it sort of makes me go a bit sort of deaf in one ear. Yeah. It's particularly bad at the moment. And you said I was shouting. You were shouting. You're one of the least discreet men yes, in the I world. Do. And you are, want to look around a train carriage and play a bit of lookalike cricket. <laughs> so you're hollering. At, I'm saying, you mate, you're going to have to, you're going to get a good hiding if you keep on like that for the week. Not ideal, really. So uh, anything could happen, I would imagine, over the next four days. Event. I think that you've got, you're on the pills. They should be, they should be. Oh, it should be in. kicking in now. And our wonderful producer, John Cadigan, is with us. Of course, a man yeah. who's cornered the market in cravats now that dear old Nicholas Parsons has departed. Yeah. And uh, he invented a game on the way down here, which I was He did. Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but no. he started to look down any games that had two or three scorers. He, he found that they, they did lend themselves uh, to some quite interesting names, didn't I they? I mean, a lot of them sound like actors, so for example. So let's look at the match. Give us an well, idea. It's Chorley 1, Chesterfield 2. Chesterfield scorers with that great English actor, Denton Cropper. Oh, Denton, wasn't I used to yeah, love Denton. I remember him in The Mousetrap. Did five years. Is in the mousetrap, man and boy. And uh, Notts County 2, Barrow nil. that fine West Indian bowler, Crawford Roberts. Oh, yeah. he was fantastic, was he? From the Pavilion Inn. That's <laughs> and that right. sort of idea. So uh, we're just looking, if you want to yeah. add to the list, we're looking and what they sound like. So do a bit of a lead-in uh, based on what they sound like. We've had maybe two or three scores, if you want to go oh, double-barreled. Yeah, crew, crew scored three, so you've got Porter Kirk Wintle. Oh, Porter Kirk Wintle, conservative. <laughs> it's good. 12,373. Well done, John. A good new well, game. Well, Andy, I mean, we find you in a good mood. It's always good if Chelsea have had a big win. Yes, at the win. They just have a big win. They had a, an insensational performance. Oh, they played that was, so right? well. They kept, you know when a team, when you start a match, you often think, you know, if the other team are right on the attack for about five minutes, this is going to be a long afternoon. Yeah. We kept the ball for two and a half minutes without them touching it. Mm. And just some lovely play. But Billy Gilmore, I mean, really, honestly. I mean, doesn't go to his head because he's been sensational. I don't, we were both saying we loved the fact that he was telling players like Pedro and Rudiger what to do, wasn't he? Telling yeah, him absolutely. to push up and yeah, drop yeah. off. He was like running the running the whole thing. And I was expecting a much harder game, to be honest. I thought, you know, the way Ev- Everton have been playing, but there you go. Yeah. I have got a bit of a bee in my bonnet at the moment though, about this new rule, one of Ellery's great rules that he came up with, which is the one about the referee when it hits the referee. Almost for a hundred years, over a hundred years. They were part of the play. The referee was the part of the field of yeah. play, absolutely. And it, and it always led to, a, you know, it could be quite exciting. And yes, and occasionally a referee would inadvertently provide an assist for a goal, but very, very, very rarely. Now what you get is every time it hits the referee, there's a big argument about whose ball it is. Yeah, you notice yeah. that they had one in the United game. Yes, they all surrounded the referee, had it in the, in the Chelsea game yesterday, they all surrounded the referee. You think, oh, well done, Ellery. You are brilliant, aren't you, mate? Because whatever you do has a, re- a reaction to it. So you've got to be really careful before you make changes like that. Yeah. You know, he's thinking, oh, yes, that's a much fair, you know, he's posh. Hey, much fair, isn't it, if the referee ball hits the referee. It's much fair. No, you that posh? Well, I think he's very David posh. Ellery? Pretty very posh. posh you yeah. know. And you just think, <laughs> another rule that's gone completely wrong, mate, you know, honestly rubbish and you'll see it now even more every time it happens and it's uh, just not necessary a few other things I noticed from the weekend uh, when he came in um, David Moyes said about Jared Bowen that you know we can't expect uh, a lad to come in from the championship and be a game changer 
Well, he has. He has. Com- they might have lost one nil, but they could have been four nil up after. Oh, they should have won. They look a completely different Absolutely. team. No he's question. on the ball all the time. He hit the post early on. I mean, he's made such a difference. Yeah. The way it hit the ground running. Absolutely. And uh, I was actually I was in uh, I was in Marks and Spencers on uh, Saturday afternoon, just doing a bit of normal shopping. Okay. And uh, I, I, is that where you shop, really? Well, it? not always. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't go to Poundland. No, no, I'm just I'm just I'm just interested. <laughs> I'm just trying to build up some kind of picture of your well, movement. I, I quite like it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I went to buy some. I was you bought back. You bought some shirts that you're going to be taking back <laughs> next Monday. <laughs> I brought Kept the, all the pins and the plastic. No, I brought the, the food. And as I was waiting to pay, I thought, oh, I just need a bit of toilet paper and some kitchen rolls. Oh, I get that. Went to get it. It was in down there. I said, yeah. to the bloke, I mean, excuse me, I'm just going to go and get it. And so I came back with one roll of uh, toilet paper, one roll of thing. The bloke went to me, oh, panic buying. <laughs> I said, well, not really. One roll? One roll. I said, I got, you know, I've got needs. <laughs> and uh, he, said, he, said, he said, actually, he said, are you Andy Jacobs? So I said, oh, yeah, I am, actually. Really? Said, oh, he said, oh, I love the show. He said, they're very nice. He was a really nice bloke. Said, so he kicks off with panic buying and winds you up. And yeah. Then, he's, then, then we started talking you. about, uh, you know, the fact that, he, I said to him, you know, obviously everyone's worried about coronavirus. Yeah. I said, uh, you know, and, uh, now the Premier League might have a thing that people over 70 will not be allowed. You saw that. Will not be yeah. allowed to go to games. He says, what about Roy Hodgson? I thought, that's no, a good point. Roy was talking about oh, it. Oh, was Saturday. he really? No, yeah. Roy said, it, yeah. you know, it, 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 I, I may have to think about that. No. I won't be able to go to the match. I you have know. to watch it on the telly at home in isolation. Well, that'd be good. Um, I, I mean, it's getting bad because I went, I went out mm. to buy him a CD the other day. Remember that Lou Rawls, the singer? Yeah. <laughs> Completely sold out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Honestly, greatest hits. <laughs> love, I is said the fact love is in the air, isn't it? That, that wasn't him, no. Was it? No, that was, you'll else. never find was his big oh, okay, hit, wasn't yeah, it? Right. Yeah, but... Uh, who did Love is in, in the air? Somebody else. Um, <laughs> completely different bloke. <laughs> John Paul something or other. Was he? George and Ringo. But no, it was someone like that. But so, yeah, can't find a Lou Rawls album for okay. love nor money. That's good. Give it a try. Yeah. We so, just, oh, yes. As you say, we just met a, a, a fan of the show, came down. Uh, yeah. Lives around here. Brentford fan. He was a nice place. That's right. Yeah. He goes, he travels, doesn't he? Travels yeah. to every uh, home, many away he games. He's coffee, he's telling us. It's funny yeah. how people tell you all about he made a life. Four, he didn't say made a fortune. Well, I see. I was presuming <laughs> he looked. He looked the sort of maybe he shops at Marks and Spencer <laughs> as well. Uh, anyway, uh, coming up this afternoon, we've got loads for you. We're going to have a chat with okay. Paddy Power very shortly. We're not going to talk boxing with Paddy as much as uh, racing. We're going to get you in the mood for the festival, give you a bit of a feel for why this is so special. You'll probably think, well, what's what's the big fuss about Cheltenham? Why is it so special? I think we'll go back to basics and get Paddy to explain that. MC Yeehaw will be joining us. Matt Chapman, you'll know from ITV Racing. Uh, also, Ruby Walsh, uh, and Andy yeah. said, the winning most jockey at uh, Cheltenham. He retired last year, so this is his first What festival. a way to go out. Paddy was just telling yeah. us we'll speak to him. The winner that. at Punchestown, yeah. that's right. So we'll be chatting to him. Uh, also, Matt Scott joins us, the analyst. Uh, always good to be crunching the numbers, looking back at all the big stories from the weekend's football. Uh, James Simpson, Daniel pops in after the rugby uh, at the weekend. Of course, a man with uh, Monbeg Dude. He was uh, oh, yeah. one of the part owner of that, wasn't he, with uh, Mike Tyndall and others. So uh, we'll be chatting about that. And Mick Fitzgerald will be here. Hopefully, Mark Yacard. I know he's sweet on a few horses this week. Uh, former fantastic jockey. Lizzie Kelly still riding. She'll be riding this week. We'll be chatting to her as well. We've got a game of Escalado as well live. Yes. We'll play that later on. And Rupert Bell will be calling them home. He will be uh, He will be our commentator do, do, for Escalado. Do you want some name suggestions? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, we do. Like the way we normally play Escalado is we ask you to come up with kind of topical names. Now, let's keep them on the right side of tasteful with everything that's going well, yeah, on at we the don't moment. have to use them. So we need some, that's right. We need some kind of things that are out there in the ether, in the yeah. news, 
this, whatever's been talked about. Yeah, avoid they, terrible things. Yeah. Falls right, yeah. So things that are topical that would lend themselves to the name of a racehorse. And uh, one of your horses could be named. Rupert will be commentating a little bit later yeah. on. So uh, get them into at T-S-H-N-J-T-S-H-A-N-D-J. T-S-H-A-N-D-J. Can they email today, John? I'm looking at them. Can they? Keep, it's ideally you can just do it through social media. He's <laughs> it means just, he's got to do some work. He, he, he's he not doesn't keen want to do on doing some work. He's halfway, <laughs> he's halfway through his chips, so yeah, he's, he's got to get his priorities right. Well, so your chips are thinner than my chips. Okay. I've got the fat chips. Okay. Uh, not mind. worry about that. No, I know. Uh, Talksport, doctor, and I can't give you those, at T-S-H-N-J, T-S-H-A-N-D-J, via Twitter, please send in your uh, horse names and one of yours. We'll give you a name check if one of yours makes it through to the final six. It's Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. We are live uh, from Cheltenham for the first time. We're in the Lansdowne pub. If you're already in Cheltenham, here for the race, and why not pop along and see us for the next four days? We'll be live from the course in the Paddy Power Box, but here in the Green King pub um, with Paddy Power and Green King this afternoon. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport Live from Cheltenham in the Lansdowne pub uh, where they're good friends at yeah, Green King and really. Paddy Power. That's pa- quite full, isn't it? Yeah, yeah a few right. in. Yeah. Paddy Power's with us um, and also joining us now uh, is MC Yeeha himself, you know, from ITV Racing and more. Matt Chapman joins us. Hiya, Matt. Yeah. Afternoon, boys. Great to be on the show. Oh, uh, yes, Matt, we'll get I'm in the mood. I've still got tears in my eyes after reading your love letter to Faheen in the sun this morning. Yeah, well, I just hope he turns up for the gig and he doesn't ditch me, as he's often the way in my life at the last minute. But uh, fingers fingers crossed he's there in the marsh. There have been a few rumours suggesting that he might not come to Cheltenham and they might want to give him a big send-off over in Ireland. But to be quite frank, he's already had a big send-off in Ireland when he won his grade one last time. And if they just create some sort of race for him, then it will be a very superficial send-off. I'd much rather give him a big cheer at Cheltenham when he charges up the hill and... God's on the truth, despite it's not one of the biggest races of the meeting, I think if Fahim won the Mars, he would probably get, if not the biggest, at least one of the biggest cheers of the meeting because everyone loves that horse. You did. You confessed your love for him. It was very moving, actually, and it is one of the things we were talking about, Paddy, about how these horses have characters and grab people. I mean, Matt, it was a really genuine love letter. It was the only way to describe it. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I... I see why people love Fahim and the reason why is I think because he was such a champion and the machine and all that and then it all goes a bit pear-shaped and then the redemption we all love the Phoenix yeah. from the Flames don't we and he really does capture the imagination and he did at Leopardstown Matt's right the reception he goes unbelievable and he's and it's not often that I just completely 100% agree with Matt but I'd love to see Fahim come to Cheltenham and I know there's probably subplots of our bit where if what happens if it all goes pear-shaped and all that kind of stuff but actually I don't know if he's He's surely got to have a massive chance if he runs here based on his last run. Uh, the Mars chase look, looks like it'll be ideal for him. Shouldn't be too much of a slog. And, uh, yeah, Matt's right. It will be the best reception of the week. He'll probably go he'd probably go up a very short price favour whenever he piles into him yeah. uh, if he does turn up. But, uh, yeah, he's obviously not getting better. He's 12, I think, isn't he? So, um, yeah. yeah I, said, I mean, Paddy, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he will go off that short because I think a lot of people will say, oh, he's 12, you know. Those who don't know him as well as some of us will just think, a 12-year-old, I'll give that a miss, thanks very much. And and I imagine bookmakers will be happy to take on a 12-year-old despite that he has a, a, a strong following. But, I mean, if he didn't run there just because they're a bit worried, a bit like the Tiger Roll and the Grand National thing, I mean, with what's going on in the world at the moment, if we all got worried to the extent that we didn't do anything about what's going on, well, none of us would be leaving our houses, none of us would be driving in our cars around the M25, None of us would basically be doing anything. I mean, life is for living and things can go wrong. 
But if you don't live it to start with, there's not much point in being here. Uh, Paddy, that feeds into something I was going to ask you about. Delia uh, Bushel and the Jockey Club, Chief Executive. I've been in the job four months, and uh, here we are with one of the biggest meetings that uh, she has to deal with, with the backdrop of coronavirus. I mean, has it been a concern uh, among all the bookmakers and, and the racing connections and all the people you know? Is I mean, look, who knows? Um, uh, there's no guarantees even for the full week here, depending on what happens with coronavirus over the next few days in this country. Well, in my role as, uh, as world health expert, yeah, and, and virologist or whatever it's called. Um, I look. It's, I'm like pretty pragmatic about these things. I kind of go, look, it's going to be out of, like the, the only way Cheltenham's getting cancelled is if the government say you can't have it, right? And then there's obviously options of whether they run it behind closed doors with owners, trainers, jockeys, say, and no crowds. But uh, of course, everyone would be concerned about it. But it's kind of out of our control, so there's no point in stressing about it too much. If it, you know, wouldn't do a lot for the Cheltenham roar, though, would it? No yeah, it wouldn't be great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. You could always superimpose the roar on after, like canned yeah. laughter, you know. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So it wouldn't be great, obviously. But it's one of those things. I mean, like it's it's a sporting event. So if the government come out and say you're not allowed to have it, like what are you going to sure. do? Sure, Matt, um, you you don't. I mean, you don't sound too concerned. You're you're fairly hopeful. Fingers crossed that everything's going to be fine. We're going to get the full four days in. My feeling is if they start it, they'll finish it. Because yep. to be honest with you, once you've started it, there's not really mo mo quite a lot of the people going on the first day will be the same people going the, the, the second, third and fourth days. There are, there are, there'll be a lot of repetition. So, and on that, on that point, know, Matt, even the people are, are arriving today. So, you know, you'd want to be calling it pretty soon if it was going to be called off. Because, like, all the, I don't know yeah. how many thousands of Irish people come across for it. And they're going to be here. Yeah, like the, they're still going to be oh, in yeah, the city. Still to me. They are taking measures. There's going to be hand gel stations, yeah. extra. W I mean, yesterday when I went to football, I went to Stamford Bridge. I've never seen those sinks used so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they never get used. No, no, well, the except for the wrong reason. The yeah. one, yeah. one, one thing you could say about Cheltenham, from my experience here, is that that people are very hygiene conscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when the Guinness. I think, I think, I think, they, no, will, I think they will be over the next few days. They probably will yeah, be very certainly. So, yeah, sorry, Matt. Just a number of notes changing hand in the ring, though. I mean, like. Washing your hands yeah. after the loo is hopefully something most people do anyway. But just think of all those notes in the betting ring. Every bookmaker with a note that someone has touched. I mean, it's like, basically, look, however much you wash your hands at Cheltenham, and everyone obviously should do it as many times as they possibly can. You, if it's going to spread there, it's going to spread there. There's nothing you can do to stop it. All we yes. just got to hope is that the group of people who are there um, there aren't many, too many sufferers, and people are responsible as well. You know, this is not something where halfway through the arc or you're suddenly going to get a cough. You're going to feel not 100%. And if you don't feel 100%, while it might ruin your day by not turning up, think of the other people you might yeah, be affecting and just don't go. Sure. So, you know, we, c we can help ourselves here. Hopefully, people will be responsible. I do think the BHA have been a bit lackluster about this, you know, the old sort of slap shot. Oh, we've got contingency plans. All that kind of thing. Well, any of us with any brain know that you cannot possibly have any contingency plan for something that you don't know when it will end. So, you know, quite simply, there cannot be any contingency plan. Just like we heard on the excellent news report here on TalkSport that the rugby may or may not be finished this year. Because yeah. quite simply, no one knows what the hell this thing's going to do. We might not be here by Christmas. So let's at least try Cheltenham. <laughs> yeah, and on that positive note, somebody was tweeting yesterday, Paddy, saying, my invitation to corporate hospitality at Cheltenham has been pulled. Most businesses in my industry are banning non-essential travel. Ooh. You do wonder if numbers might be down. I think they might uh, People may yeah, be thinking, I'm not sure I want to go, or companies are saying, we're not doing the box, or we're not sending you. I mean, that 100%. Like, so my mum's not going. Like, so the first, really? first time in years, like, so dad's still, dad's right. Yeah, but Paddy, she's about a hundred years old, yeah? <laughs> 
Yeah, she's at 103. No, she's not. She's only 70. I don't know what age she is. I probably should know that, shouldn't I? She's probably 75. On a serious note, that, 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 that kind of makes concern. sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'd probably be in the at-risk bracket. Exactly. And she, uh, yeah. friends of theirs as well, or well, that, that would normally come over. Their dad just told me today, they're not, they, they, their friends are not coming either because... The, the guy's company has a travel ban. He said, well, I can't be going off to tell them when I've told everybody else they can't travel. So yeah. there, 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 there is a bit of that, definitely. There is a bit of that, definitely. Yeah. Let's move on to the racing, shall we? Because uh, we, were, we were talking a little bit earlier on. And uh, we've got some great racing on the first day, Matt. Been made a little bit more interesting, uh, hasn't it? By some of the sort of declarations uh, yesterday. Uh, in the big race, one of the big races uh, tomorrow, in the mayor's, uh, Benedict has got a bit of competition. Well, in, 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 in theory, yes. Although actually in reality, I don't think she has. But yes, um, Honey Suckle is the Irish champion hurdle winner. No one's going to mock her. Um, but I do believe Benny DeGer is just a, just a little bit out of the ordinary. And that's not to say Honey Suckle is ordinary. She's anything but that. And the old cliche is we'd all love to own her and we all like 10 of her in our stable, that kind of stuff. But. This is a meeting where, as a punter, you have to be hard and you have to talk in, in real terms, in terms that your average punter talks in. And quite simply, I think Benny DeGio runs faster than Honeysuckle. I think her form is better than Honeysuckle. And she's got proven Cheltenham form because she should have hacked up, of course, 12 months ago when she, when she came down in the closing stages. So while on paper, and it, it's great for us who fancy Benny that Honeysuckle holds up the market, I think in reality, Paul Townend will come there on the snap on the snaff, and only the coronavirus <laughs> striking him in the side the final half a furlong could stop him. What about the, the going, Paddy and Matt? Because we've had an undue amount of rain in February. I think it was a rainiest yeah. February ever. And, and I presume for National Hunt Race, on one hand, it, it makes it softer to land if you, if you do get a fall. But on the other hand... It affects the chances of some big horses. Chances it makes yeah. the going, it makes it tougher, doesn't it? It's funny, I asked Ruby about this the other day, because he used to love it when it was very soft, very heavy, because that made tactics much more important. So the more experienced jockeys would mm. probably have a small advantage, because they know what pace, they're going too fast, and tell them, obviously it's hard to get up that hill. But it's going to be soft to start. Um, it's meant to last rain today at some stage, I think, which will start people to be start freaking out about that. But it dries very quickly, Cheltenham, you know. Um, so I don't think it's going to be ridiculously heavy or anything like that. But it's going to be it's going to be soft to start. Isn't it really weird? It's the one time of the year when blokes in particular just get absolutely obsessed with the weather and the ground and all this kind of stuff. It's weird, isn't it? Like everyone's yeah, talking yeah, about what's the ground going to be like, you know. But uh, yeah, so it, it 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 is significant, and I think if it's softer. It, it probably, it'll, it, I think it will suit the more experienced jockeys, definitely. Fantastic. Uh, we're out of time, Matt. Lovely to talk to you. We will catch up with you what? later in the week. Uh, I do apologise, <laughs> but we're going to hear plenty from you. I'm going to oh, see yes. a lot of you on ITV Racing, of course, and we'll catch up with you later in the week. Lads, always a terrific show. You do a great job during Cheltenham. So everyone just enjoy it. Be safe and just punt away and enjoy your week, but be sensible and responsible in every sense. There we are. Matt Chapman. Uh, Good advice. Words, yeah. Thanks very much, Matt. Imagine, Thank you, imagine thinking you'd be taking advice from Matt Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs live from the Lansdowne pub in Cheltenham will be on course, of course. On he course, will. of course. Uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday uh, to bring you the show with lots of top guests. Oh, yeah, we have. Now, of course, one of the big dilemmas this week is to shake or not to shake. We've already met. Yeah. About five I, I find it really socially difficult, Andy. It's if somebody difficult. puts... But I just, you know, I'm, you, you know, you shake people's hand, don't you? Shake first, gel after. Wash your hands. Maybe. The trouble is, gel's in short supply. It just looks, it looks rude. I mean, I'm not, I know I, I could be 
I've only, got, no, I've only got enough gel for about two days, so I think I'm going to have so to... So you can shake hands for the first two days. But offering <laughs> the elbow, looks like you're about to sort of dig an elbow into someone's <laughs> face. It's just sort of, you lean forward with an elbow, or you fist... Somebody, yeah. put, and somebody grabs hold of your fist, which is all a bit weird. They put their yeah, hand... you good for Diego Costa, he likes an elbow. <laughs> Fine. It is all a bit but, strange, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. I mean, the thing is, I said to John this morning, it's incredible that people are bulk buying hand gel they haven't really thought this through because mm. if you're the only one with a load of hand gel and everybody else hasn't got it you're no better off are you you'd be better off if everybody yeah. had it rather no than one's you, you see with about 60 tubes of it it's very well thought out how much does katie perry know about australian cricket well you I, see her she was there yes. at the women's world cup game and singing i'm always fascinated songs. by katie perry she never looks the same in two photos running is really it? very odd f- Face but I just wonder if she was like in the pavilion yesterday and saying, oh, oh yeah. I'll never forget Trevor Chapel. Oh, yeah. No, Fantastic bowling well. under arm to Trevor. Brian McKechnie of New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No one ever remembers she, Brian McKechnie. No one ever remembers. I didn't even know about Brian. If she knew about Brian McKechnie, I'd be oh, impressed. She, yeah, she knew. She, she basically knew a lot about Brian McKechnie. But there she was yesterday. She obviously knows her cricket. Or was it just yeah. a gig for Mum? I must say, I, I, after the semi-final, I just thought, you know, somebody... Posted on Twitter, I'm really looking forward to this great day. I was thinking, what great yeah. day? It's completely devalued. How can you have a tournament with no semi final because it rained? Now, we're used to seeing mm. strikers sticking it or players sticking it to fans when they score, but Billy Sharp, he tarried a while. He stood right in front of the Watford fans mm. and properly gave it to him. Did you notice that? I didn't really. I noticed and a great I header think, by him. Bullet I started head. to think. Have they got a bit of history? And he was talking about it today. A, they were giving him clog on mm. the day. It was also that they pipped him to the title, you see. Uh. And that, that bothered the uh, Blades players. And so, but, you know, so you're used to someone giving it the old shush. Yeah. He, he, he was there for about five he, minutes. They're still going brilliantly well, aren't they? I mean, yeah. So no sign of them fading at well. all, you know. So, yeah, it's good. Um, the train, on the way, the train stopped at Stonehouse. Uh, which allowed me to explain to uh, John. I like it when we, we. It's like an education for our it's young. It's very important. We, our young producer. I, I remember Tom Hughes, our former producer. We we taught him all about. Are you being served? We did. He yeah, kept yeah, calling right. young Mr. Grace, young Mr. Grey. I'm not. I'm not how, see how useful that is generally no, no in life. Well. But, uh, so I started, allowed me to teach John a bit of history. I said the late John Stonehouse. He'd never heard of him. Yeah. The MP who faked his own death in 1974. Why don't you do that? But then was devalued by do, I mean, breaking into a football song. You can take all the faked ad- his own death. You can take all the. Ad- <laughs> Adverts out for a show you like, but if you were to, if you were just to leave a pile of clothes on a beach and disappear for a couple of weeks, that'd be good. Yeah, well, it's a bit of notoriety. Thanks very much. Okay, it was just a thought, Andy. I'll leave that with you. Oh well, yeah, okay, no problem. Want to do it tonight? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, quite a long way from the coast here. Really. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's when you bit, sort of you can't hear stuff in one ear's gone, my ears blocked. Okay, you start hearing only bits. So the the, the producer was talking about the, some story in the paper where some bloke had shot an otter. And then said that he looked like Guy Swindles. So I thought he said Guy Swindles had shot an otter, which seems quite a strange thing to happen, really. It does. <laughs> Guy Swindles, our cricket correspondent. I didn't think you were going to read out everything you'd written. Down, right. but I suppose I should be no, used to that. Nothing goes to waste. Uh, we'll send you some pictures out of uh, Stockley Park uh, a little bit later on, or Presbury Park, as he's going to be yeah. done for the week. He's in Sockley. He's in his, Sockley, sorry. Yeah. He's in his full tweeds, isn't he? He's oh, Andy's. Yeah. A puppet chum. He has joined us. Well, Matt the Taylor brought in the fabric on Friday. Yeah. And my wife has really done an excellent job. It's a kind of Beau Brummel jacket, single-breasted, yeah. two buttons. She's made him a nice little cap with proper cardboard filling. So she's really gone to yeah, town. It's a beautiful job. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from talk sport joining us now here in the Lansdowne is uh, Cheltenham's winning most jockey uh, who uh, hung up the saddle uh, last year this is his first Cheltenham about being a jockey so good afternoon good to see you Ruby Walsh hey Paul how are you we're good yeah I mean and it, as Ruby. we get right as we are a day before on the eve of the festival how are you feeling Ruby you're missing it tired <laughs> you're a busy man this week, and you've been a busy man in the build-up, haven't you? Oh, yeah, plenty busy, flat out. I said I might as well make it while people still want to be, won't be long before they forget me, so um, <laughs> we'd have one last go at it anyway. But, no, look, I'm looking forward to lads. I was out on the track uh, pretty much most of the day. It was actually starting to rain when I came into this public house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite dark in here, and you can't really see the real world outside, but it is raining out there, which will have an effect on the ground I suppose it depends on how much rain falls between now and tomorrow but the track's in great condition it was good to soft um, just before lunch but the rain that is falling will affect that and that will have an effect on the results yeah such a fascinating story Paddy was telling us about the day you actually retired and your sort of gesture and how it caught people by surprise I mean, that's exactly what happened well, look I suppose there have been plenty of rumours lads that I was going to retire and going to hang up my boots but I didn't want any fanfare or any um, farewell tour. I wanted to do it on my own terms, and I'd always been fairly adamant that I would just ride a winner and walk away. So I had discussed it with my wife for quite a while, actually, that I was going to retire. I had had in my head maybe to do it a good bit earlier than I did, but injury prevented me from doing that. So, you know, I rode here last year. I kind of thought I wouldn't do it here. I would I'd wait till entry. I was hoping maybe Ratvindon might win the Grand National, but... He finished third. I wanted a real fairy tale, like just yeah. Grand National to go out and that. I <laughs> uh, wasn't looking for much, but that didn't happen. I won the Irish Grand National, but Punchestown was always my local track, and I was going there since a kid, and I knew going to Punchestown, if I could stay in one piece, working for Willie Mullins, I would have plenty of opportunities to ride a big winner. So I had kind of made a plan, talking to Gillian, that if I won the Gold Cup on Kenboy, I would retire. But I was going to ride him, and whenever I won a grade one after that, then uh, I would bow out. So... Kenboy did win the Gold Cup, and I knew when he touched down at the last that that was it. It was the last 
a half a furlong of my career and I couldn't wait to get to the winning post to tell you the truth. Well, yeah. Have you had any regrets, Ruby? Or not? No, I don't think I had. I was 40. I'd had a wonderful career, one I didn't ever foresee that I would have. Mm. I enjoyed every bit of it. I'd had incredible success. There was ups and downs in it, but that that's life. That's part of part and parcel for everybody. There was good days and bad, but I had a career that I could never foresee coming, and I loved it, but it was time for something else. Like it's, They call it retirement, but I was never going to retire. I was 40. I was a jump jockey. It was going to be a change in career, and, and um, that's what I was ready for, was a change yeah. in career. And you're busy, aren't you? I mean, not just with all the promotional stuff, but you, Paddy was saying you've got your own radio show now. Yeah, look, I suppose there's there a couple of options when you retire. I wasn't exactly a genius at school. I never had a third-level education or a degree. I wasn't exactly going to head into law or accountancy or anything, so you have to make the most of what you have. And a lot of jockeys, I suppose, stay within the game. Some go training racehorses. Training, the actual training of the racehorses appeals to me and still does appeal to me, but that's one small aspect of the whole business. I'm sure if Oli Gunnar Sanchez or Pep Guardiola just had to train the team, it'd be much easier being the manager. And that's what a, a racehorse trainer is. He's managing a whole operation. So I didn't really fancy that part. I'd had, I'd been at the top of my own sport or involved in the top of it for such a long time. I probably wanted to break away from that pressure, so I headed into media, and I had good contracts with Paddy and with Racing TV, the Irish Examiner, I got one with RTE, I do a bit of work for ITV, so I was lucky that plenty of opportunities presented themselves, yeah. and I'm enjoying it. What's it like, I mean, give us some insight, What's it, I mean, is it different in the weighing room for Cheltenham than it is for other meetings, because it's so huge, is there a different atmosphere among the boys? There, well, there is, for a couple of different reasons, Paul, obviously, at Cheltenham, and even if you, you, you break it down to another big race, so you have Kempton on Boxing Day and you have the King George. But because there's so many race meetings on that day, in Kempton, there will only be the number of riders that's the biggest field. So there might only be 15 jockeys actually at the race meeting. So you walk into Kempton on, on King George, which is a big day. There's only 15 guys in a rather big wear room. It's an empty enough place. But then you flip that around to Cheltenham, where you will have... Tomorrow there's seven races, max of 140 runners, but you could have 75 or 80 jockeys. Yeah. Wow. So you put in that crowd of people into the room, and automatically it just creates atmosphere because there's way more. So then you have the required amount of valets, and then you have all the kit that comes with that. Everybody has their own gear, and you have all the colour bags, and it just becomes a rather crammed and alive place purely because of the volume of people that are there. Then you add in the pressure of Cheltenham and the excitement of the day and the buzz of the atmosphere from outside, and it becomes a real lively spot. But it's more to do with volume of people yeah. than it is to do with anything else. We're watching the racing now from Plumpton, and it's, uh, as usual, it's, it's over the jumps, and it's it's a risk. I mean, I'm surprised some of these jockeys would actually, I suppose they've got to, but would race on the Monday before Cheltenham. You, you might be thinking, oh, I don't want to get injured today, you know, but I suppose you can't think like that. I did. I did, I didn't. Um, as I got older, I didn't ride on the Monday before Cheltenham. I didn't ride on the Sunday or the Saturday. Come to think of it, probably didn't ride on the Friday or the Thursday either <laughs> when I got that close. But you can get away with, if you break your collarbone, it doesn't matter if you break it a week out or two weeks out. If it's badly enough broken, you won't be riding anyway. Yeah, that's but I never fancied concussion or uh, soft tissue injury or just getting a thump off the ground that would have you sore. It would take four or five days to get over. Mm. I just eliminated that risk. Now, that was me. AP would never do that. He would have been in Plumpton today if he wasn't in Stratford. He'd have been at one of those meetings. But everyone is different. I probably did mind myself a bit more and didn't ride the weekend. 
William Mullins was never keen for me to ride the weekend before. He preferred to have me in Cheltenham than have me on the Saturday in Goran Park. Yeah. But that's everyone is different. Yeah, but you see football managers I mean, with different players. There's players that play all the time and there's players then that, that managers rest and yeah. keep for big games. I was there, I read an interview, great interview with Michael Atherton at Times ran at the weekend, Ruby, and they did what they did after AP retired. That little picture of you and all the all the breakages and all the injuries and when you picked them up. But I just wonder if, when you look back on the career, you did have some bad breaks and bad moments, of course, here at Cheltenham. But do you feel quite lucky, considering what you know what could happen in a jockey in a career as long as yours? Definitely. I mean, the guy look at what I broke, and I don't consider them to be bad injuries. At the end of the day, lads, you break your leg, it's a bone. It might take time, but it's going to fix. Mm. That's the reality of it. But anything that's neurological or Neurological, really. Yeah, the of course. Yeah. You don't want. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all to do with neuro that's all neurology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. back, your neck, your brain, sure. anything they can't fix. They're what injuries are. They're real injuries. I saw plenty of my colleagues suffer those kind of injuries. I was there when a couple of my colleagues got killed. So yeah, that was. There is that risk that, unfortunately, no matter how safe we try and make the sport, no matter how far health and safety comes and tightens up the world we live in. You cannot take the risk out of riding horses. You cannot take the risk out of driving Formula One cars. You can make the risk as minimal as possible, yeah. but you can never eliminate it. Right. So that's always there. But you know that before you start. You're not going into this blind thinking, oh, nobody told me you could get killed. <laughs> it's yeah. true, yeah. You're, you're aware of it. Like most things in life, now you might try and blame somebody else and look for a loophole as to who you can sue for when it goes wrong, but most things in life you're aware of the danger before you start. Before we bring Paddy in and look at some of the racing, um, just finally from you, Ruby, um, are you starting, as we get closer, are you starting to think, this is how I might ride this race? Are you looking at the horses are there? Are you imagining what you would do? Are you still in that? that? I, it, I am, Paul, but it's, it's much easier for me to have an opinion now on how I would ride a race because there's no consequences. Hmm. Yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can say, like, there's no pace. Like all pundits in any sport. Exports would always become even bigger experts. Yeah. You become more free or more confident in giving your opinion because you won't be proven wrong. Yeah. When you are actually doing it, you're quite guarded about it. I might look at the champion chase or the champion hurdle and I might tell you now how I would ride it. It would have been the way I would have ridden it, but I wouldn't have said that before I retired. Because no one likes being told afterwards, mm. oh, you were wrong. So that's what happens. Pundits, they're only telling you what they were always thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. A bit like you, Paddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fascinating. I was just there. I've heard Ruby speak about it many times. It's fascinating to hear it again, isn't yeah. it? Like, but, um, yeah, the one, the, the one thing that I'm delighted by about Ruby, though, as he's become a good friend now over the last number of years, is that what such an incredible career he's had, and it's all going to be defined by falling at the last minute. Any pair? I'm only joking. I'm only joking. We were doing we were doing our um, podcast the other day with Shane Lowry on. Yeah. And what's Shane Lowry do? Brings up Annie Power. Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking. I said, what's your favourite childhood memory? <laughs> well, I suppose the one I remember. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'm sitting there thinking. Thanks a million, Shane. I don't remember asking you about the US Open. <laughs> you could. I mean, honestly, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. I've never heard silence yeah. like. It was so many people one minute just silenced the next it was uh yeah it was right. like, it's a memorable moment but not necessarily from a good in the point right of view, way your point of view absolutely no but sure look that's that that's life she she fell i mean it, as much as people think about any power and what it cost them i can guarantee it hurt me an awful lot more yeah. than it hurt anybody <laughs> sure it did. i only said as well i was talking to him recently and he was telling he just threw it in conversation it's always amazing so he's he looks out i don't know if you still do but always looked after any power at home during the summer 
And he said, you'd be having a barbecue. And Annie powered me there, sticking her head over the fence at the barbecue, trying to grab a burger. So it was like... <laughs> I don't have her anymore. She's in stud, and she uh, went to a stallion with a rather big reputation. So she has been minded by f- with bigger experts than me now. Oh, yes. <laughs> would would the, the going tomorrow put you off of anything that maybe you fancied before? Possibly epitant in the champion hurdle. If the rain keeps falling and it gets testing, it mightn't play to her strengths. She's a slick, quick mare. She handles soft ground, but the stamina that'll be required mightn't be to her forte. But no, a lot of these horses have been running on this ground all winter. A lot of them have form relative to this ground. So That's interesting. Yeah, so it should be, they, they should be pretty used to it. And I think for the sport, Cheltenham on soft ground is a, is a, is a safer thing. It's a better yeah. spectacle. You know, speed is... Race horses are... No different to driving cars, lads. Speed is the is the is the danger. And when it's soft ground, they go slower. But what about if they, the stamina-wise, if they get tired, then they can. Yeah, but when they get tired, they'll only fall over. Right. And they don't get hurt when they just fall over. It's the actual speed. It's the, when you get way quicker ground, they don't get tired, but they're going much faster. And those falls are the ones that are dangerous. So the softer it gets, and if you see them pulling up and getting tired. That's only a matter of giving them 15 minutes walking and they'll recover and there won't be a bother on them. Yeah. We've been hearing a lot about horses' temperament. I was, I was, uh, I remember we watched the race with you once, Ruby, which was fascinating. As the horses went down at the start, you say, he's sweating up, he's already lost that race. And, you know, as jockeys, you kind of know. And I've been hearing a lot about, everybody fancies notebook this week, but there's a bit of a worry about its temperament, they say. And uh, I just wonder, what's, is that important at Cheltenham? Uh, maybe more than it anywhere is, else? and you, we look at so many of these horses, and especially in, uh, anywhere here and Ireland, you don't race in front of the crowd that's in Cheltenham only once a year. Maybe at Aintree, Grand National Day, you get a similar crowd, but this is 70,000 people. That's a whole different atmosphere, especially for novices. Notebook is a novice. Now, he was here last year, and you'd be hoping maybe would have learned from that experience. But Cheltenham is, I don't know, you hear like Anfield, is a, when you go yeah, there yeah. and they're, they're on top of the pitch and how intense it is. But for horses, Cheltenham is a bit like that. And mm. some will pass that test and take it all in their stride. Others like humans will clam up and it'll all get to them but that's that's part of the spectacle and that's part of the that's probably what's the difference between the good and the great those that can take it yeah fantastic we didn't get a chance to talk man united well, we'll we will during the, the week because we'll catch up with yeah. you during the week it's going well though T- today is the day to talk about it oh, yeah, it's it's certainly, it's certainly, it's we all lose <laughs> tomorrow lads are you are you uh, mm. you're feeling positive Back on the, we're back on the wagon. The wheels are back on the bus. Good stuff. I think so, too. We'll, we'll expand on that during the week. Lovely to see you, Ruby. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Yeah. yeah, welcome back to the Lansdowne with Paddy Power and Green King. And um, we're going to have a pine-pulling competition. Yeah, and the bar now, yeah. That's right. We're James, who's the assistant manager of the Lansdowne. Good afternoon, James. Afternoon. Uh, before we get underway, you're going to give us a little bit of a master. Or you're going to give us a few pointers anyway. Before We're going to pour a pint of Guinness, which you say is a bit tougher than some of the other pints. Is that right? Yeah, it's a bit tougher because it's a two-part pour, whereas the rest of them, it's just a straight fill up the glass, hand it over. So we're going to go through the techniques show you guys how to pour the perfect pint. Okay, here we go. Right, so, 45 degree angle. Yeah. You know what, I'll pour the first one for you. So we're going to go fill it all the way up, three quarters of the way, so just about to the top of the heart there. And then we, and then what do we do? Then we straighten up, do we? Straighten up a little bit. And then we let it set for 90 seconds. Okay. That's the we'll, ju- we'll, have just, we'll just have a little bit of a chat then. I'll tell you in that 90 seconds. We'll just, Paddy's with us, aren't you, Pat? What do you think? 
I am, yeah. It's kind of, I've never ever seen a pint of Guinness before, so it's it's, it's a great it's a great <laughs> moment. The, well, the one thing that's strange is because it's it's obviously a great spectator sport, especially for the radio. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's what's well, great as soon as you start, about, you're about to pull your pints of Guinness. Like loads of pairs of underpants appeared on the bar for some yeah. bizarre reason. But there you go. <laughs> Where, where's your money going on me and Andy? And who's going to pull? I think uh, James is going to have to be the judge. But where's your money going? Well, I think the judge, uh, they think there should be a, a taster there who should have a sip of both, oh, okay. and they, they should judge. I think... Uh, Are you prepared to do that for us? I know it's tough for you. I know you don't drink much, Guinness. I will happily be the taster. And I also I also know now, Andy, I haven't been on the lash with you. I've had a couple of pints with you before. But, Paul, I joined you on a stag do once yeah. when you came to Dublin. And I swear to God, you absolutely schooled me. You have hollow legs. So you've more experience <laughs> drinking pints, I'd say. I'm not sure about pulling, but I think the, the drinking experience no, no, no. Might, uh, might give you the edge. Just I've about. gone, I think. I've gone ages done for me. Anyway, so uh, should we get underway? Andy, do you want to? Oh, wait, so we got the 90-second rule. Okay. Yep, so as you can see, as you can see, it's settled down quite nicely. Nice, it's looking a bit darker down the bottom. Yeah. So to finish it off. We're just going to push the tap back slightly, it's just to get a nice slow pour. Why would you push and the tap back rather than forward? Why would you push it back? At the it, it lets the spin out at a slower rate. Oh. So it doesn't get so lively. The most important part though, for any perfect pint of Guinness, always present it to the customer with the logo facing outwards. Oh, that's good. Beautiful that's marketing. Fantastic. Okay, Andy's going to go first. Yeah, okay, man. and I think, and you know what, if, if Andy, if you're... Andy, if you really want to, Andy, Andy, if you're really looking to get an edge on this, Andy, if you can draw a little shamrock in the top at the end. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ready, steady, go. Okay, the pints are pouring. I'm going to try and commentate on this. Paul's pint is just ahead, which is not a good thing necessarily because it's all about the settling and the pace. The angles are... Ooh, Andy's actually at a 46.5 degree angle and Paul is 43. So, yeah, that's about right, yeah. In interestingly... Well, well, interestingly, Paul has left his about three quarters full. Yours is about four fifths full. But if you watch it, look, it's beautiful. Look to watch the way that it's like clouds or whatever. It's beautiful, yeah. Is there, what do we call that, James? What's my? What's that? And you've looked at those two at the moment. You'd say Andy's ahead. Andy's quite ahead on there. Yeah, his is settling quite nicely there. But yours is taking a wee bit longer. <laughs> what do you say? Yours is ridiculous. Oh, he also cocky. He's going to get. He's going to buy his own pub now. This is what Andy's like. <laughs> but what about this now? What about this? There's a few bubbles in the top of Andy. That's not good, is it? Uh, that's just from where the, the glass was a bit too low at the start of the pour. It's just aerated it a bit more. But it will soon die down. So it's absolutely to do with the, with Andy's lack of pouring talent. The way I've always looked at it, you've got to treat it quite gently. It's like any any sort of alcohol, it's like dealing with a child. If you're nice and gentle, it'll be nice. The minute you start lashing at it, it's going to start playing out. It's not often you get an analogy between children and alcohol, but well done. That's great. <laughs> James, last day here at the uh, the lens down. Fantastic. So I've got to be honest, my pint is not. My pint's going to take a while to settle, I think. So uh, and that's a beautiful. Oh look at that. He's just uh, bar works in his. He's what he should have done. He's found his vocation. Right. Okay. Fair enough. That's how I'll just do my. It's a lovely job, Andy. Yeah. You, you must be happy with that. I'm very pleased with that, Paddy. It's a tremendous, you know. It's, and tremendous. it's not fully settled either. You can see no, the blackness still, coming yeah. from the bottom up. It's still a little bit lively, but it's a lively pint. Look at that, though. The one that James poured earlier is perfect now. It's an incredible thing. Do we know what gives Paul, it that black it, colour? Interestingly, Paul, like an absolute amateur, poured the last bit in by pulling the tap towards him rather than pushing it away. Like, oh, Jesus, I tell you what. Paul's looks like shaving foam. Now, Paul's actually does look like the TV ad.
mad though when you see the um, it's it's proper settling like so. And I wonder because it's a different looking tap whether that had some difference in the speed because much as I'd love to give you credit for this, oh, actually when you pull the tap down, do you pull it halfway as it goes slower or? It goes slower, but the way the tap works, it'll just kind of aerate the beer a lot more than it should do. Whereas pushing it back... It goes do you reckon he's act this is actually true or he's just making it up? He knows we don't have a rashers. <laughs> look, compared to ours, look at this. It's absolutely perfect. I, I mean, James, look, I, far be it from me to call myself a loser, but... I think, I mean, based on what we're seeing at the moment, mine may taste better at the end. Well, after, when it settles at about quarter to six, it may be a nicer pint. Well, unfortunately, we won't be having you behind the bar on a busy night. <laughs> but can, can you give Andy a couple of shifts? Definitely, definitely. And what about that? Oh, I'm, I'm delighted. Your money. <laughs> I'm delighted. Be good, it? But I won't be able to hear the customers. It won't be a problem. <laughs> I can't think of anybody who'd be worse front of house in this kind of environment than you, really. Yeah, but yeah, he would be terrible. So, uh, Paddy, thank you very much for judging. If you, you're going to want to try it. You want to have a take a little sip of Andy's first? I think I, I, think I will, yes. Yeah, okay. Got the 5% head on there as well. Look at that. Perfect 5% head. 5% head. Look at that. So, Paddy. I'll go with the full nose in pint as well. Here we go. Look at that. Nose in the pint. So look at that. <laughs> what we're saying, Paddy, good? Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, mine is now starting to settle. He's got a slightly bigger head on it. Yeah. Uh, Paddy, yeah, try it. Yeah. Have, have, <laughs> have you got a flake? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go right up your nose, that one. You could drown. Be careful. This one. Here we go. <laughs> look at that. got a little tash as well. I'll tell you what. Yeah. There is, there is a touch of bubble in Andy's. Oh. So stewards, oh, a stewards inquiry. Really? I'm gonna have to drink a bit more. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's James's one. This is this is James's one. He's gonna have to go, but he really is going back in to try him again. Here we go. Any any excuse? Do you need a third try? Is that all right? Yeah. I try them together. What a charger! <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I think, I think Paul's is, Paul's is slightly nicer. It didn't look as nice, yeah. but it's what it tastes like. It's a pint of Guinness. Tastes a bit creamier. So James, as the expert, you would have given it to Andy. Yeah, I would have given it to Andy purely on the appearance and the pouring technique. Okay, but Paddy, as the drunkard, you have, uh, you've given it to me. I have indeed. Fantastic. Okay, so everyone's a winner. That's fantastic. So there we are. Thank you, Paddy. Thank you, James. Thanks for You're welcome. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Well, the 3.30 at Cheltenham does tend to be quite a prestige race. Oh, it's it's no different today, even before racing has got underway. I know. Uh, we've got a feature race of the, well, in fact, the only race of the <laughs> afternoon. Uh, Escalado is the popular tabletop yes. racing game from your youth. It's basically, you crank a handle, the, the, um, the track moves, shuffles along, the horses shuffle along with it. And, well, we have a race, basically. We have a winning post and a finishing line. We have five horses lined up. We even have a commentator, a top commentator. Yeah. He'll be doing the real This things. might be it if the meeting gets called off. It could be. This could be it. I mean, uh, well, I think Paddy was planning to I run know, a book uh, on this. Rupert, you said the going was very soft. Uh, soft. Yeah. Don't worry about the going yeah, calling it off. It's very uh, hard. It, yeah. uh, here it's, um, it, we, we need, yes, this is rock hard. It's very the, firm. <laughs> the H&J, let's hope none of them come off in these conditions. <laughs> well, so just remind us of the, uh, the, uh, the names of the five uh, runners. Well, 
the listeners have come up with the following name. Marla's Tickle is uh, in the uh, number one uh, stall. Tiger Lou Roll is coming out of Trap 2. Yeah. Then uh, number three is Empty Shelf. Number four is Last Royal Duty. And finally, number five, the career-ending name, Bielsa's Bucket. Fantastic. So there's uh, all your runners. Uh, I think we're ready to go. Uh, our man's ready to start cranking that handle. Um, Rupert, over to you. Well, the white flag is raised and we're off and running. They're cranking up and it looks as if uh, Tiger Ro Lou Roller has just shading it with empty shelf trying to uh, uh, steal a, a march on the race. On the near side, Marla's Tickle is getting very close to Tiger Lou Roll, and then on the far side, a bit of a battle between Last Royal Duty and also so Bielsa's bucket is hanging on in there. But I would suggest Tiger Lou Roll is just shading it at the moment. But going off course is empty shelf and is really pushing not only Last Royal Duty. We can wave goodbye to Last Royal Duty at the moment and also Bielsa's bucket. But Tiger Roll and also empty shelf now having a bit of a battle. But Tiger Lou Roll has wiped the floor with the rivals <laughs> oh. to come through and take the Escalado handicap. What a race. There could Tremendous. be a stewards a bit of interference. Well, there yes. was a couple of those. I have never seen interference like that on a race course. <laughs> Look at but this. knowing the British stewards, no re the race will re result will remain unaltered. I'm like Alice Plunkett now. I'm interviewing the winning job. OK, what does Tiger Lou Roll say? He says, tremendous. OK, that wasn't much of an interview, was it? <laughs> no. So there we are. Um, thank you very much for that, Rupert. Have you done anything dafter than that in your life? Um, you probably have. Let's probably, probably, yes. You did it well, though. But yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm not, I now feel finely tuned for the real thing. Yeah, That's and good. it's interesting that Tiger Lou Roll, which is obviously yep. a derivation of Yes, uh, one of the uh, hope, one of the fancied horses this week uh, was triumphant. Well, he's running on Wednesday, but I and uh, many people will hope he will do exactly what Tiger Luroll did, and uh, to say what I just said, then wipe the rivals clean. <laughs> It was funny because he won in, when we did the practice race, he won as well. So he was on fine form. Was he was, that's right. Yeah, so, he was always uh, the favourite. We should thank Mark Adkins, Dan Cole, Mark Pigeon, Tim the Bristol Rovers fan, Andy Rue. They all suggested the five runners. Thanks to everybody suggested horses. If you didn't make the cut, then don't worry. We do appreciate you getting involved this afternoon. So there we are. Your winner was Tiger Lou Roll in the H&J uh, Handicap. Live from Chelsea. So basically, live racing is underway at Chelsea. Oh, I enjoyed that. A day that's earlier. Crazy. Uh, than plus Macca used to commentate in the old days, isn't he? he, he did, yeah, but you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, he, even he'll admit Rupert there gave it a bit. He's a, class. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a racing pro. Oh, exactly. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll see well you done. later. Yeah, to Rupert, you're doing it. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm going to have to I'm shake doing your hand. I, I'm not I'm doing not, elbows. Not doing elbows I'm for four gel. days. Yeah, we'll be fine, Rupert. That's it. Okay. That's the way there we get it. Let's be fatalistic about the whole thing. I'm right. not sure Good, that's definitely yeah. the best way to go. But that's, <laughs> I'm not sure that's, that's right. That's my way. I just I find it very difficult, Andy. I know. You know, you're, you know, you're at this massive Well, you had that problem when you had a broken hand. Don't you remember? Oh, well, that was terrible. Yeah. That was slightly different because I was wincing every time I did it. But that is, you know, that is slightly different. Now, Andy, you, as we know, that uh, you, you like a bit of a punt at Cheltenham. when you can please gamble responsibly. Yes, of so course, yeah. Have you done any sort of anti-post? No, I... I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's all for you, just... Yeah. whispers and getting tips I'm, I'm cashed up I've got my limits I know what I'm going to be doing yeah, that's it that is gambling risk but you've decided what you're going to spend oh, yeah, and you're going, you're going I to spend. never ever don't do that, that might be 75,000 pounds no it's well, not really it's not it's no, not, I mean, it's not. You know, it's clearly not it's <laughs> just a little bit of fun clearly not it's clearly not. it is a lot of fun, fun. <laughs> I meant to ask Rupert about Bob Pebbles who is horse. he it's a horse he's advertising oh, okay. 
that you can have. He's a share advertising. Of. Yeah, you hear him on Talk Sports saying, "Would you like a share of Bob Pebbles?" Do you want a share of Bob Pebbles? I'd love a share I think of I could Bob make Pebbles. that happen. Yeah, okay, we'll see if we can make that happen. He's before. gone now. I'll ask him tomorrow. We'll get. We'll catch up with him tomorrow. No question. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Andy? Uh, I did think actually that uh, when we were interviewing James Simpson Daniel, he yeah. was talking about the chairman of Gloucester Rugby Club called Martin St Quentin. Yeah. I was thinking, I bet Johnny Cash isn't a fan. <laughs> he hates every inch of him. I think he. You know, I think it's an old track. It's an old track. San Quentin, I hate every inch of you. Yeah, you need to look it up. Look at the producer. We're not going to spoon feed you everything, mate. Come on. You You must know Johnny Cash's back. You must have heard of Johnny Cash. For goodness sake. Johnny's heard of Johnny. (laughs) Yes. Johnny Cash out, as he's known. (laughs) During Cheltenham Week. Very true. Yeah, that's right. What a marvellous idea. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. Uh, that was this afternoon. As we said, we'll be uh, live at the course tomorrow from one. We'll have live racing for you as always. Rupert Bowen, we commentator for all the feature races and more. We'll have lots of top guests joining us um, and top tips if you fancy a flutter. So uh, there we are. So the unofficial day one of the festival from our point of view. <laughs> we'll catch up with you tomorrow from one. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.